Very good to see you all tonight in the Lord's house. We're going to begin with number 538. This is a prayer, a devotion, give of your best to the Master. Let's stand, please, as we worship. Let's come, please, to the Lord now in prayer. Father, at the commencement of our service tonight, we enter into Your presence with joy and thanksgiving. We come, Lord, seeking for the help, the power of the Spirit of God to enable us and to worship aright, to sing with our hearts, to pray with our spirits, And Lord, to know the instruction of the Spirit of God to apply the truth to everyone. And dear Father, every circumstance and situation of our life is known 
very clearly. And we pray that we will be guided unmistakably in the center of Your perfect will. Dear God, have mercy upon us. Give us Your grace when we will be prone to wander as silly sheep straying away. But Lord, may the fence be high around us. May Your loving hands guide us and keep us. And Lord, as we have been thinking about the necessary pruning done by You to us in the garden, among the vine, the branches, Lord, I pray that we will willingly submit ourselves to the correction of the Scripture in our life. Dear God, apply the truth to us. Help us to drink in of the Word every opportunity we have. Lord, we give thanks for the time around the table today, thankful for the Word of God to our hearts. And dear Lord, I pray that there would be that fresh direction and zeal and desire for service. Father, help us, we pray, to love one another joyfully with all our hearts. Let there be no hypocrisy or double standard. I pray that there would be no misunderstandings among each of us as brothers and sisters in the Lord. But dear God, that You would help us so that nothing would hinder the unity, nothing would harm going forward of the work that we are engaged in. Lord, we pray earnestly for Your blessing upon our Sunday school, our boys and girls, the teachers, as we recommence next Lord's Day, and for our youth class, our adult class. Father, be with every area of that ministry. And we think, too, of our school starting on Tuesday again. Lord, we have been earnest in prayer about every detail of that work. And we again, Father, commit the entire year into Your hands. And we pray for the double portion of the Spirit of God to be upon all involved in that ministry. Lord, may we know the sufficiency of Your grace because we cannot depend, Lord, on ourselves. We can't depend on our own ability. Lord, we have nothing. The well that we have to draw from is very shallow ourselves. Let us come again to see that with the Savior in us, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Help us, we pray, to build the walls faithfully, not to shy away from the work. But Lord, You would clear away every obstacle, remove all the garbage, take everything away that would hinder the progress. We pray that Satan will be defeated in every single attempt he has to upset the work, to distract us. Keep us, Lord, walking joyfully and humbly, and with the fresh anointing of the Spirit of God every single day, Lord, we are asking according to Your divine will. And therefore, Lord, we expect with a holy anticipation the answers to our prayers. We would come boldly unto the throne of grace that we will obtain mercy, find grace to help us in the time 
of our need. Give us joy in the Holy Spirit. Bless us in our service. We want to be soul winners for Christ. We pray that from our services here, morning and evening, as the message goes out, people will be brought into the church, watching online, and the gospel word that goes out will do so by power and the conviction and conversion of the Holy Spirit would be upon people. We pray that individually we will be given opportunities to point men and women to Christ, and we will be able to share our faith with others. So, Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Encourage our hearts be with every part of our service. Remember again those who are grieving losses today for Morag Cherry. Bless her, we pray. Remember the funeral service on Wednesday. Bless Reverend Cranston as he takes that service. Be with our brother and bless him in his own health and give him a time of rest and refreshment over the next few weeks as he takes some time away. Lord, just strengthen him, we ask, and bless him. So be with us all now tonight. Encourage our hearts. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We'll sing again, please, to the Lord's praise tonight, number 547. Standing to sing.
Turn please now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 29. We're going to begin our reading actually in the 28th chapter and verse 11, reading down to the end of this chapter, and then in our, before our service, picking up at chapter 29. Now, we have been doing our studies in the book of Daniel, but I felt led tonight that we will take a different tack, and especially as we are thinking about the fall program of ministry and work that the Lord would direct us in His will and encourage and fill us with the Spirit of God and His zeal. And I trust that the word that I bring to you tonight would be an encouragement. The context here of First Chronicles 29, it's actually in 28, coming near the end of King David's life. He is getting ready to pass the baton of the kingship to his son Solomon, And there is a great work that they are preparing to do. It has uh, to do with the building of the temple of God in Jerusalem. Verse 11, 1 Chronicles 28. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, and of all the chambers round about, all the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries of the dedicated things." Also, for the courses of the priests and the Levites, and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. He gave of gold by weight for things of gold, for all instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight for all instruments of every kind of service. Even the weight for the candlesticks of gold and for their lamps of gold by weight for every candlestick and for the lamps thereof, for the candlesticks of silver by weight, both for the candlestick and also for the lamps thereof, according to the use of every candlestick. And by weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread, for every table, and likewise silver for the tables of silver. Also pure gold for the flesh hooks and the bowls and the cups and for the golden basins. He gave gold by weight for every basin, and likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver. 
and for the altar of incense refined gold by weight, and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims that spread out their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of a good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God, and there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. May God bless His Word to us, and we will keep that portion of Scripture open until a little bit later in the service as well. We're glad to see you all tonight to our evening service, and you're visiting here in person, real time. That's good. And we want to welcome also everyone viewing our service online tonight. We trust the Lord would bless our time of worship together. Please remember Mrs. Morag Cherry, a dear lady from our Port Hope congregation. She lost her husband just on Friday past. I mentioned this morning how she had prayed for him for years and years and years, and he came to the Lord just about two weeks ago in the hospital. He had been ill for a little time. And you know, it encourages our hearts, and it certainly encourages wives who have unsaved husbands, husbands with unsaved wives, and you have prayed for them for many, many years. Sometimes you can almost wonder, has God hearing my prayers? Will it ever come to pass? Well, here is an example of how the Lord, in the eleventh hour, touched the heart of this man, Ross Cherry, and we believe today that he is with the Lord now as he has gone to his long home. The funeral will be on Wednesday in Coburg, and do pray for Reverend Cranston as he takes that service. Please also uh, continue to hold up all in our own congregation uh, who are going through times of grieving, times of the loss of loved ones, that they will know the support of our prayers for them at this time. Wednesday evening will be our prayer meeting and Bible study at 7.30, and then on Thursday night we want to have a session meeting, the first one of our new season, and that will be at 6 p.m. for times of prayer and uh, ministry discussion of the things of God going on here in our fellowship. Um, do remember in prayer all of our elders 
and our deacons, that God will put a hedge around all of us. We will know His continual blessing. Then there will be the first session and board meeting, deacons and elders. And that will be on September the 15th, the following Thursday. And again, we'll start at 6 p.m. and then go until, well, we don't know when it always ends. Those meetings sometimes go on a bit longer, but we just all come prepared for that. But the board meeting will start at 7.30, Lord willing. Now, next Lord's Day evening, we have a practice after the evening service of the Young Adults Choir that's being recommenced, and we're very happy about that. And so we invite all of the youth, young adults, to come along. You'd be welcome to participate and sing in that uh, choir And it's going to be good because of our upcoming special meetings. I told you about this morning with Reverend McKee. We're hoping that the youth choir will be able to take part at some of those meetings. It will be very nice. Well, let me not jump too far ahead and just let you know again about the visit of Reverend Ryan McKee from Macrafelt, Northern Ireland. Uh, We decided to invite him, oh, going back now several months, it was in the springtime, and uh, thought it would be nice to have our brother come for some special meetings in the fall. So we have things planned for Friday night, Saturday, the Lord's Day, and then a youth meeting on Monday. More details we'll give to you about that as we go on. But I know our brother McKee would greatly appreciate your prayers. We have been in contact with him, uh, thinking about the meetings as he prepares spiritually and mentally and emotionally for that time that the Lord would just go in front and bless His time with us at that moment. Thank you again for your tithes and offerings for the work of God, and we pray that the Lord will use those tithes and offerings for the extension of the work of God here. Let's sing now to His praise. Again, number 556. It is only one life that we have. Sometimes we think It would be nice to relive the life so we could not make the the same mistakes that we did before. But that's not the way it's going to be. And it's not that way in parenting either. Sometimes we'd like to start over and say, I wish I didn't do that or did those things. Nonetheless, it's only one life we have to offer to the Lord. And we pray that we will give all and all to Him. Remain seated, please, while we sing.
We'll pick up our reading tonight, please, at chapter 29 and the opening verse. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, and silver for things of silver, and brass for things of brass, and iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones for stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones, marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even three thousand talents of gold, and of the gold of Ophir, and seven thousand talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses withal, the gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the rulers of the king's work, offered willingly, and gave for the service of the house of God of gold five thousand talents, ten thousand drams, and of silver ten thousand talents, and of brass eighteen thousand talents, one hundred thousand talents of iron." And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. 
Let's bow, please, for a word of prayer. Lord, we pray now that as the Word is open, that our hearts would be open to it to receive all necessary instruction and that, Lord, we would be able to enter in tonight something of the magnificence and the majesty of the God with whom we have to do. And Lord, as there is a, a faint reflection in what was done here in the building of this palace, of the temple, Lord, may the glory of Christ Jesus in and through us be far beyond all that. And we pray that the Savior who is worth so much more than all the materials of this present world, worth so much more than all the the precious jewels and gems, the wealth and riches of nations. Lord, we pray that all of our lives would be given unto Him who alone is worthy of all that we can give. So help, Lord, tonight, I pray, in the ministry of Your Word, give me strength. Take words that are spoken in human weakness and use them, Lord, for the glory of Your holy name. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord had reminded David different occasions that he was taken from the sheepfold from a man, a young boy, to be made king of Israel. The Lord at different occasions perhaps reminded His servant of that when He was getting a little bit too big for His boots and telling him to don't think too highly of yourself. But one thing that comes to us over and over again is the reminder that God raised up this man who was a man after God's own heart. That is a direction given to no other man in the Bible. David held a very prominent place and a very special place in the heart of God. How did he have a heart after God? Well, of course, we know it's by the Spirit of the Lord that placed that within him. But as we read through the Psalms, we get some picture, some idea of the communication and the communion that this man had with his God. And now that his heart was fully given over to him. Not a perfect man. We know the sins of David. But yet, he was a man who was given over with that devotion. And he followed after the Lord with all his heart. And many times we are told in the Bible that what God would do for Israel, He would do it because of David, His servant. Because he was a man of a perfect heart. A man that walked after the Lord. 
And as David was thinking about himself, as he had amassed great riches and great military strength throughout all the kingdoms at that time, and he had defeated all of his enemies, and at that point it was just coming that anyone who thought about raising up their hand against him, well, they would be put down very quickly by the military might that Israel had uh, caught through David's work. But he was a man of war, and he was a man of blood. And it's difficult for us at times reading through the history when you realize how that the annihilation that took place of in the warfare and the battle, the battleground, much blood was shed. And David, as a man of God and a man who was used as a judicial arm of the Almighty, don't forget that, a judicial arm of God to execute the judgment of the Almighty upon nations that had rejected Him, rejected the Word of God, and so He had raised up servants at different eras. But it's sometimes difficult for us to understand, and especially as David comes to the final stages of his life, and he's living in a palace, and he has all things set for himself, but he recognizes, he knows that God still dwells in a tent, the tabernacle. It started off in Shiloh. It moved itself to the house of Obadidim. And finally it comes to Jerusalem, but it had been there for many years. A tent. The God of heaven manifests His presence through a tent, and I am living in a palace. And so his desire was to build a house for the Lord. And it was a very noble desire because he wanted to give unto God of everything that he had. He wanted to see the God of heaven exalted and lifted up. But the Lord said to him, No, David, you will not build me a house, because you are a man of war, because you are a man of blood. But I will raise up from your seed a man who will do this work for me, and his name will be called Solomon. And do you know the meaning of the name Solomon, Shalom? It is peace. David, yes, in all that God had done through him in raising the kingdom to the status it was, but now he would use a son of David to actually build that temple. It was a very important work, and David made great preparation for that work. Now, we have read through some verses in chapter 28, First Chronicles, and now into 29, and uh, you might be a little bit overwhelmed by the amount that was gathered and collected for the building of the temple. I'll leave you just one small fact. David gave of his own bank account 3,000 talents of gold. Beyond all the rest of the gold and the silver and other things that were gathered, but he prepared with all 
his heart for the, God, for the kingdom of the Lord and for the temple and palace of God. A talent of gold, or a talent in general, it's estimated to have been about 66 pounds. We'll not deal with kilograms, we'll just keep it to pounds tonight. But if you multiply 66 pounds by 16 ounces in a pound, it gives you about 1,056 ounces to one talent. Now, I know it's very difficult for us to try and put a monetary value on that because gold that was so abundant in the days of David and Solomon, it may not have been to the same degree that we would cherish or value gold today as a precious metal, but it certainly was the most precious metal that they had in their day, and it's about comparable to what we have in our day in that sense. So gold runs today around $2,000 an ounce. So if you do the simple math, 1,056 times 2,000, well, it comes to just around $2 million for one talent of gold. David gave 3,000 talents for the kingdom and for the palace. So when we begin to think about that, this type of wealth and this type of expenditure, it really is beyond mind-boggling. There was so much wealth that was gathered. And that just scratches the surface because that doesn't deal with the silver, the brass, the iron, all of the gemstones. Yes, much was invested into this project because it was of very important magnitude. I want to draw your attention to verse 5 tonight of chapter 29, because as the king was going through expressing all that was given and all that was being amassed and how he had gathered with all his heart for this purpose, we're told at the latter part of verse 5, he says, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. I want to present that to us all tonight as a question because it is important for us and good, and the Lord gives us fresh opportunities to restart. And this is a restart opportunity for us at the beginning of September, at the beginning of a fall program. And why not? It is good for us to think and to ask ourselves that question, are we willing to consecrate ourselves unto the work that God has for us to do? It's a very serious question. There's no doubt about that. And who then is willing? If you are on the side of God, if you are saved by His grace, well then, we are called to give ourselves and give willingly to His work and service. David was not at this juncture going to tax the people to raise funds for this project. This was not a case of taxation. 
There were other times when taxes had to be raised for military purposes to build certain things, but not now. The work of God, the work of the Lord, it must come from a willing heart of God's people. And that's why in the church of Christ, the giving of tithes and offerings, it has always been by the free will offerings of God's people. And could I say to you tonight, in the work of the Lord, are you entering in to the joy and the blessing of giving unto God with all of your being? Are you entering into that great privilege that God has given to us? Oh, I know, and I say to you many times, I commend the congregation for your sacrificial giving to the Lord's work here, to missionary work. It is a great blessing. But there might be someone, and you haven't quite entered into that joy and that blessing yet. Well, don't miss out, friend, because as we come to give unto the Lord of the bounty He has blessed us with, and every one of us have been blessed to some measure, well, we want to say and give to God not out of a taxation way, not out of obligation. For the Lord tells us He loves a cheerful giver. The book of Corinthians tells us that. Someone who gives with a joyful, a hilarious spirit. That's the meaning of the word. And we come to give not out of obligation, but it's the very opposite. And we sang this morning, actually it would have been a good hymn for tonight as well, a willing mind, a ready hand to do whatever I know. To give unto the Lord of our silver, our gold, our talents, the offerings that we have to give to Him. There are a number of examples in Scripture where the people of the Lord, they came to give of themselves willingly unto the service of God. When you think back of the days of Abraham and his servant Eleazar, well, he presented and gave himself willingly to God, saying, Lord, direct me in the center of your will, for I'm about to do the bidding of my master. And he wanted to go full, open-heartedly, completely devoted to him. You know the account of Deborah and Barak. We're told in Judges 5 and verse 2 that as the song of Deborah was going out, she rejoiced before the Lord that the people, they willingly offered themselves. So here in this case, the questions going out, who will consecrate yourself? In the days of the judges, they gave themselves willingly for the service of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 6, we have that question that goes out, who will go for me? Who will I send? And the response comes back, Here am I, Lord, send me. What is that other than a consecration? This is a most serious question. It's a very important question for all of us as God's people, giving ourselves afresh unto Him. And then we come to think of our Savior because there is no higher example that could be given because He gave His all. 
He consecrated Himself totally to the cause of our salvation. And today, tonight, friends, we are saved because of His sacrifice. And what a blessing it was today again, once more around the communion table, to pause for a few moments and think again very directly, very specifically. Sometimes people might think, well, the communion table, it's, it's a little bit of a formal thing, isn't it? You know, we go through these sort of what appears to be ritualistic actions and so on. Our friend, never think about it that way. Although if someone was to accuse us of being formal at the Lord's table or serious, I would say, thank you, that's a very good compliment. Because that's exactly what we want to be. Very serious. Because it's a very serious matter as we contemplate the great consecration of our Lord Jesus to us. For when that question went to him, who then is willing, he stepped forward to his father and said, I, Father, am willing to go and die for the covenant people that you have given to me. So, my dear friends, tonight, as this question is posed to us at the commencement of another program of work. It is a very, very serious matter. It's such a great work that God has called us to. If you look back for a moment in chapter 29, verse number 1, it says, Furthermore, David the king said unto the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for God. This was not a house he's making for himself now. It's not a house for Solomon. It's a house and a palace for the God of heaven. And David said, this work is great. My dear friends, when we think about that in a gospel context, is the work of God not great? Of all that is at stake in what we are involved in, what well, we would have to say tonight, it is certainly great in its size, because who of us are able for the work of the kingdom of God? We are a small congregation, and we cannot be a witness to the whole world but we recognize that the work indeed is great. And let us therefore be about that great work in the locality where God has placed us, in the opportunities that He has presented to us. Let's not take that for granted. It is great in size. But is the work of God not great in its purpose? We are laboring for the Master for the kingdom of Christ Jesus, for the glory of God the Father. That's what you and I are about. Friends, when we are witnessing to someone, when we are attempting to build our school and have the ministry of Whitfield or every other ministry that we're involved in, we will say the work is a great work because it's the work for eternity. It involves the honor of our loving Heavenly Father, is that how we approach God's things? Dear friends, tonight, 
This question is a deep one for all of us to ask in our heart. Who then is willing? It's a great work in its testimony because the gospel is to be given to all creatures. That, of course, was the final word that Jesus said to His apostles. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, because certainly it's for the glory of God and the extension of His kingdom. But is it not a great work because of the very nature of a soul being saved from hell? This is a work, my dear brothers and sisters, of the gospel ministry and of our testimony. And yes, we can say that it might be great because of the cost involved to us, the sacrifice that may be required, but it certainly is a commitment that all of us have to make. Ah, but you know where it is really great? In the rewards. The reward that God has promised us. A home in heaven. Rewards in glory. Laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves can't break through and steal. No, that is the work that we are involved with. And so, as David anticipated and saw the building of the palace of God, it's a great work. Well, we're seeing the building of the greater palace in the kingdom of God, and it's a great work. And so, we want to be engaged in this very work. Friends, also, in this question, as we come back to chapter 29 and verse 5, who then is willing to consecrate his service? You may notice in the margin where it says to consecrate, it's to fill his hand. Who is willing to fill his hand for the work of God? Who is willing, we could put it another way, to roll up his sleeves and get at the work? Who is willing to consecrate his service unto God? So the idea of to fill or to to be in fullness, it certainly carries the idea of commitment, of wholehearted commitment, of entire devotion, to fill up to give, my dear friends, what is in your hand. You're not giving what's in somebody else's hand. God does not require us to give what is not ours to give. We may encourage other folks to be involved, but quite frankly, the responsibility comes right down to our own self. And this is the personal call that's going out here in this word of consecration. And there is most definitely a cost that is involved. You know, when we think about so great salvation that have been, we've received, how can we possibly repay the Lord? Well, we cannot. But in Romans 12 and 1, we're told that our reasonable service, in light of all we have received, our reasonable service is to give ourselves, to consecrate ourselves unto the work that God has called us to. Yes, my dear friends, every single one of us as God's children are involved in full-time service. And that full-time service requires commitment, determination, desire, 
Yes, there's going to be a personal cost. Some things may have to be given up. When you give of your tithes, well, the bottom line is diminished. Or is it? Because you can't outgive God. And when you give to the Lord of your tithes and offerings, you will find that He will bless you in other ways that you never calculated or considered. The joy of blessing of giving to the Lord is that He rewards us again. But think of that now in the giving of self to the service of God. If we are backward or we restrain or keep back ourselves from devoting completely to the Lord's work, then we'll not enjoy or know the fullness of God blessing us tenfold. If you think you have given to the Lord's work and you're going to be missing something, no. Friend, because when we give to Him, He gives bountifully back again, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in the blessings of God. When Israel went out in the 40-year wilderness, God made it so that their shoes did not wear out. No, that was a miracle. Their clothes did not wear out after 40 years. They didn't have any realtors that they could go to. They didn't have any places where they could buy things, no stores. All they had was what they had on their back. But God blessed them. And He kept them. And the Lord has promised that He will bless us in everything that we give unto Him. Remember, friends, we are not serving a church in the sense of a building or even a local church or a denomination. We are not serving to that purpose. We are serving the higher purpose of the invisible church of Christ, the kingdom of God. Now we know that the Lord has a structure and He has structured the development of the gospel and the forward moving of the gospel through local fellowships, through gatherings of God's people, through missionary organizations that take the Word of God out far and wide. So there has to be structure. There has to be order. There has to be accounting. Let's never forget that we are not serving for that purpose. We are serving the Son of God. We are coming to do Him bidding, His bidding. We are coming, dear friends, to serve the Master and Lord of our life. And there is a cost involved in that. There is, no doubt. And we must count that cost. And I know we don't give to the Lord either our tithes or our talents just as a business transaction hoping or thinking we're going to get filled up again. But we give unto Him by faith. And we give to Him with joy. And we give to Him with the anticipation that He will reward. If not here and now, He is promised in glory. There's an account of a man by the name of von Welch. He was an Austrian noble man. He lived 1621 is when he was born. He died 1668. He was of a Protestant background, uh, Lutheran parents, and 
during his time when he was growing up, Ferdinand II, who was the king of Austria of the empire at that time, banished all Protestants from Austria. And so his family had to flee to Germany. Now, as a young nobleman, this guy had it made for life. He had all the wealth. His parents owned castles. They were very wealthy people, so he had it made. He didn't have to think about working a day in his life, and he lived a rather riotous life in his early days. But around 40 years old, he began reading the Bible. And as he read the Scriptures that were in German language, because don't forget the days of Luther, 1517, that was the day when Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg and the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. Well, as things developed, now we've come forward about a hundred years, and the gospel had begun to spread all across Germany and Europe, and the Reformation had taken great hold. But there was a counter-Reformation movement by the Roman institution, and they tried to stamp out every Protestant witness they could. Hence, Ferdinand II kicked all the Protestants out. But the gospel message through the reading of the Scripture to this one man, it began to take effect. And the Lord saved him. And he saved him, and he did a great work in the life of this man. And actually, he is responsible for, and through the writings that he made, twelve different ones, of setting up a missionary structure. It was called the Jesus Loving Society. And he had a burden to get the Word out to those who didn't have the gospel. A lot of times in those days, the idea of outreach and missions, it was brand new in the post-Reformation time period because so many years were in the time of the Dark Ages. And Rome had kept the Bible and kept so much restriction on the people. And so he had an idea and he mapped out this course of having missionary sponsors or givers having missionary directors, those who would organize and keep things in order. And then he had the idea of missionary volunteers or missionaries. And this three-tiered structure actually laid a very important groundwork for missionary work hundreds of years really before missions really took off and went forward. And this man was really a man before his time. Listen to what he said. He said, what is... He was a baron, von Welts. He said, what is the title to me, well-born, when I am born again to Christ? Or the title, Lord, when I desire to be the servant of Christ? Or your grace, when I have need of God's grace, all these vanities I will away with, and all else I will lay at the feet of my dear Lord Jesus. And that's just one illustration, one man. And there are many others who had wealth, had riches, had opportunity, but they place that in light of eternity. They place that in light of perhaps of this very question here, who then 
is willing to consecrate his life. And so, yes, my dear friends, it's a a very serious question because there is a cost involved. But I want you to notice something further. There is an immediate response that is required. Because back to 29 and verse 5, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? This day. David was anticipating that need, that there was work to be done now. He was coming to the end of his life. Solomon was a young man then and tender, He was a young man who was going to be taking over with a great responsibility. And David was wanting to be sure that there were going to be assistants and helpers and those who were artificers, those who would come to the aid of building and organizing all these things. And so he said, who is willing now to serve God? Now to be available Isn't procrastination a thing that really affects us all in some time or other in our life, some area of our lives? We get a bit lazy, sometimes a bit careless, and we know there's something we should be doing, but we put it off. Ah, but here was an occasion where, no, no, no putting off now. We're called to answer the question. It's a time of deep consideration, of just saying, Lord, I am Your servant now. I have been born again. I have been saved by Your grace. I have received so much from Your hand. I want, dear Lord, to consecrate myself afresh to Your kingdom, to Your work. The Lord says, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Let's not be like the unfaithful son. Remember the one who said, no, I will not go. But he changed his mind and went. And the other son said, oh yes, I'll go. But he never went. And Jesus said, who is the one that is faithful? And so let us be as those who see the immediate need that is in front of us, for the fields are white unto harvest. There is an urgent need, and the laborers are few. Let us say, therefore, that we will consider the very specific time that is set before us. But friends, we all know it's a step of faith. Even in the rededication of life, it's a step of faith. Because we can't do it by ourselves. And sometimes we're fearful. We don't know what that's going to mean. If we come to the Lord and say, Father, take my life. Lord, I want to redevote, rededicate myself to You. We don't maybe know what that's going to mean. Ah, but friends, let's step, take that step of faith, all of us, and say, we're in Your hand, Lord. We want to do Your bidding. And however and wherever and whenever You can use us, You will use us, then do that, Lord. We consecrate. We dedicate ourselves to You. Sometimes when we are nervous about stepping out, 
We're unsure. Will the ground be solid? We don't know. But by faith we step out. We find the ground is very solid because God is the one who has laid the foundation. And He was promised to keep us. All of us are in full-time service in some degree. And I pray, dear friends, tonight, as we come to think of this very important question, because if you look down at verse 9, we see the response of the people. It says, Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. What does that mean, a perfect heart? It means that they had come face to face with the reality of the question. It means that they saw the magnitude of the work. It means they realized the greatness of the God that they were serving. And so they said, yes, Lord, I'm in. Count me in. And there was joy in their hearts because they knew that what they were about was eternal work, not just temporal work. And we are involved in eternal work. And therefore, let us serve the Lord with every breath He gives us, with every hour, every day. For none of us know the day or the hour when we will be called home. I pray God will bless and encourage your heart as we have looked at this tonight. We're going to close our service by singing hymn number 580. 580. Go labor on. Spend and be spent. We'll stand, please, to sing.
Lord, we want to say tonight, for all that we have received, for every blessing that has been granted to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, we are Your servants, and we want, Lord, to willingly give ourselves devote ourselves, consecrate ourselves, give of what is in our hand to Your work. And I pray, Lord, it might please Thee to use us, to use this congregation, to multiply the work that we have, to bring in more laborers, to bring in families who are serious about Your things, And so the work may be built up. People may be saved. And more workers would then in turn go out. Lord, part us now, we pray, in Your fear, with Your rich and mighty blessing, until we meet again. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.